obviously the topic of the day is what's uh, what the president is going to say tonight. Here to discuss the president's speech, our current situation in Syria, and whether or not we can trust Vladimir Putin is Bill Crystal of the Weekly Standard. Bill, thanks for your time. Good to be with you, Michael. So my theory is that Vladimir Putin is Bugs Bunny and Barack Obama is either Daffy Duck or Elmer Fudd, completely being taken in by this rascally rabbit. Is that an apt analogy, do you think? Um, um, uh, that's a good question. Uh, no, I don't think so in this respect. I think Putin helped Obama do something he wanted to do anyway, which is to say not to use force, not to suffer a humiliating repudiation from, by Congress, and make it look as if they're making progress on chemical weapons in Syria. He doesn't have to make any tough choices. He doesn't have to help the opposition. He doesn't have to change the course of the Syrian civil war. He doesn't have to intervene when 100,000 people have been killed. He doesn't have to punish Assad for using chemical weapons. He doesn't have to be serious about the al-Qaeda threat in Syria either. But guess what? He gets to, you know, say that he's, because he sort of threatened a very minimal use of force, he was able to get uh, the international community activated. Now we've got Putin and the U.N. and everyone's doing their thing. So I think this is, a, from Obama's narrow point, you know, political point of view, I don't think he's been taken in by Putin. I think he and Putin are sort of uh, in sync. But uh, Vladimir Putin has already said you must remove the threat of the use of force from the table for this to move forward, which, of course, means that there's no enforcement mechanism for any deal that they come up with. Uh, right. Well, yes, that's correct. And that seems to be <laughs> characteristic of a lot of the, uh, a lot of the sort of, promises that have been made to uh, President Obama in the last few years, and, and I don't mm -hmm. think there's much of an intention to enforce them. I mean, I think the president will say, oh, I can't remove that threat, and all options are on the table, but they won't go ahead with the resolution. Look, here's the, I think it's a bad outcome, uh, whatever one's view was on the actual congressional vote. This has now uh, put, made Putin a sort of kingmaker in the Middle East, and it hasn't changed anything on the ground. We had a very a horrible civil war going on with the use of chemical weapons that was destabilizing the region, that was damaging us, that was strengthening al-Qaeda, that was strengthening Iran and Russia, and nothing has changed. That's what people need to focus on, not the tiny little zigs and zags, obviously, of, you know, what, what Putin said two hours ago and what, why Kerry said what he said yesterday. All that's fine, and I'm happy to analyze that, too. But I think the big picture is this is a not a victory. It's a, it's a defeat for the U.S. It's a defeat for U.S. interests. And here's what really scares me. Isn't this a model for Iran? Can't you now see the president, he says all options are on the table, right. that there it is again, that, that credible use threat of force, and then guess what? The Russians or maybe the Europeans will come in and say, you know, I think we've got to deal with the Iranians. It's not perfect, not perfect, but we're working on it, and I think we can get them to give up some stuff and slow down enrichment, and Obama will say, you know, I think we need to go look at that and explore that, and let's put all military stuff on hold. And at that point, we have a, a this deal with Syria is bad enough. If it becomes a precedent for a deal with Iran, that leaves Israel in the situation of watching Iran get nuclear weapons under a sort of umbrella of a diplomatic process, which conceivably President Obama will have signed off on. If I were Bibi Netanyahu, I would be extremely, extremely worried today. And frankly, I would be reminding myself that the whole point of the state of Israel and of Zionism was to make sure that uh, the Jewish state's interests, the Jewish people's interests, were not put in the hands of a foreign leader. And I think Israel is going to have to act. But who is that foreign leader who their fate is, whose hands, you know, their, their fate is in? Is it Russia, Iran? <laughs> because I see a lot of people who have a lot more influence than the United States. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, I think he's putting it in, uh, you know, what Obama wants to say is trust me. And now it turns out that trusting Obama means trusting him to in turn trust Putin and dictators like Assad 
And, you know, with some, I guess Obama would say, oh, no, we're going to verify. Well, let's see what happens three, five, six months from now when it turns out that, gee, not all the chemical weapons have been accounted for, and, gee, the Russians aren't exactly being as cooperative as they might be at the U.N. Security Council. Does anyone seriously think at that point Barack Obama says, okay, deal's off, fire up the jets, <laughs> you know, we're ready to use force. This is why this is so bad. When you make one of these, you accept one of these diplomatic outs, um, you're, you're sort of signing up for months of diplomacy, and you really are taking the use of force off the table in any serious way unless Assad is foolish enough to use chemical weapons again. And so I think, you know, the world looks at this and sees Obama blustered, Obama retreated, Putin came in and seems to hold the balance, hold the key cards. And at the end of the day, there is Assad, uh, stronger because he used these chemical weapons, probably winning the civil war with Russian and Iranian backing. And us, uh, you know, talking a little bit and ending up with some phony diplomatic process at the U.N. It is really uh, just another side of our weakness under this president and a very dangerous side, I think, especially because the next country over and Syria's biggest backer is Iran. Does President Obama actually wave the agreement with Putin over his head and announce that he's brought us peace in our time? Yeah, you know, I thought of that, too. And I went back and I actually looked at Churchill's speech in, in November of 1938 after Munich, which is a really unbelievable speech, of course. And this isn't quite that, um, but I think it's like Munich in this sense. You know, they, they bought a little time. They ended up, of course, at, at war and probably at war, perhaps at war in more dis- disadvantageous circumstances. Uh, I, I mean, if you're Iran, does this make you slow down your nuclear program? Or does it make you think, hey, you know what, with a little diplomacy here, a little talking to our buddies from Russia who are selling us stuff anyway, um, I think we can get a kind of good diplomatic process going that will basically buy us time to, to, to continue to move ahead on the nuclear program. And if you're another dictator somewhere, don't you think, hey, there's a whole opportunity here with Putin and the U.N. that I hadn't quite realized to kind of avoid having any repercussions if I do something like use chemical weapons. So I, I think this is really, I mean, leaving aside partisanship, honestly, in this case, and I supported Obama on the resolution, actually, I, I think this is a very bad outcome. Uh, there, I don't see any prospects for military action now under virtually any circumstances other than if uh, Assad would be, were dumb enough to launch another large-scale chemical attack. I think the military is gone from the conversation. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah, I think that's right. So that means that everything else we do operates in that vague arena of trust, of potential sanctions that, of course, will be overridden by Russia and China and on and on. So, there's no reason for Assad, other than, like I said, a, a large-scale strike. I guess you could say that he has been deterred from that, but he's no reason not to continue on with these small use of chemical weapons, continue on with his uh, attacks on, on the rebels, and keep moving forward, knowing the world's going to pretty much leave him alone. Yeah, maybe he'd want to avoid any use of chemical weapons for a while, but he may feel he doesn't have to use them now. The Russians are providing him a heck of a lot of conventional arms, as are the Iranians. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, maybe he'll keep that sort of in his back pocket if, he's, if he thinks get desperate again. But I agree. I mean, basically, Assad remains in power. If you're in the, on the rebel side, if you were a pro-American rebel, and there were some, you're just totally demoralized. If you're al-Qaeda, mm-hmm. you say to all the other Syrians who hate Assad, hey, look, look what trusting the Americans did for you, nothing. Right. At least the Saudis and the Qataris send us the al-Qaeda types they send us weapons, so come fight with us. So we are just guaranteeing, I think, a further radicalization in the in Syria itself and in the region, probably, um, in which we have, you know, uh, nothing good can come of that. So the president gives a speech tonight with the backdrop of this very vague, not enforceable deal from Russia. Does he, 
abandon leverage on Syria in toto, or does he try to pretend that there is, as he keeps saying, a credible use of force, which there wasn't a credible use of force. Once he went to Congress, the credible use of force kind of went away, but does he keep yeah. trying to play that card? I think he'll probably say that that's what got them to this great diplomatic breakthrough, the credible mm -hmm. uh, threat of force, and that that always has to remain on the table. But I think he'll probably low-key that, and I suspect he'll emphasize to the American public how he's kept us out of involvement in another you know, uh, nasty Middle Eastern war, but he's also made some progress in dealing with this, these ter terrible chemical weapons, and this is the kind of smart diplomacy that he knows how to do and that Bush didn't know how to do, and I, I, I'm not, I can't even watch the speech tonight, honestly. It's oh. too demoralizing. Are you watching well, it? Is your job? You're, you're watching it, so the part, rest of us don't job. have to. But listen, but this is where, you know, I, I do a talk radio show, so I get to talk to traditional conservatives, et cetera, and they, they all are, don't bomb, don't bomb, don't bomb. And when I raise right. the issue of you do understand that the people who are happiest when you don't bomb are the whack job Iranian mullahs and their allies, and then behind them, the Russians who want to push the U.S. out of the Middle East. And their answer is, I don't, I, I don't care if it hurts Obama. Don't, you right. know, do it, whatever it is. And I, I, it bothers me that we've reached that point where we're so polarized that Americans are willing to set aside American interests for the sake of the politics of hurting President Obama. Look, I totally agree. That's obviously why I was one of the people to vote for the resolution. Having said that, I think President Obama has given people so many grounds to uh, you know, just distrust his his resolve and his willingness to be serious about these things that I can see why. I just had lunch with a conservative Republican congressman who was a no vote on the resolution, and he, he he's not deranged by, he doesn't have Obama deranged with Cinder or anything. Right. He just thinks this guy would do it so badly that the outcome would be even worse than doing it at all. I, I don't think that's right, but I do think that um, I can see how people come to that conclusion. And this is going to make it worse. This is going to, of course, make it even harder if there is a moment where we need bipartisan unity, I think, to get people to rally behind President Obama after this kind of uh, this show that we've seen for the last few days. But then you can also add this twist to it, which is when President Obama allows his desire to save face to override America's national interest in projecting power into this important region, he's doing the same thing. He's allowing his political desires to outweigh what's best for our country. I guess he would say he thinks what's best for our country is keeping us out of the wars. He said that in one of the interviews last night, I think he said something like, you know, my overwhelming or my predominant, something like that, a goal throughout this is to keep us out of the Syrian civil war. I think that's very revealing. If your overwhelming goal, if your number one goal is to stay out of a war, then you're going to end up making all kinds of compromises. Then your threat of the use of force is just not going to end up being very credible. <sighs> It's it's very very troubling it's bad. with you. That was what, a good what, sigh. That was a very that was a revealing sigh. You know. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday, one of my listeners called in. Uh, you know, which being a Republican in Massachusetts is very tough, as you know, Bill. And you're already kind of down anyway. And she said that this mess with Obama does not make her want to laugh at the president. It just makes her sad. And I think that's where yeah. people are who understand that even if you chose not, even if you decided bombing Syria in this instance were the wrong mission, you still understand that our ability to have a right mission, to execute a right mission, has been demeaned and undermined. And that's just bad. Whether Republicans are Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter. That's bad for the world if America can't lead. Yeah, no, I very much agree with that. I think that is the right... Uh, it's not a time to sort of uh, exult in the fact that the Obama administration has been such a, a diplomatic horror right. show in the last three, four days. It's bad for the country. Uh, one last question for you. If you're a Republican leader... Which way do you go at this point as the president, you know, the, the, the vote's been pushed back, 
So tough decisions are set, you know, have been set back. Do you rush in now and, and claim the I never would have gone to Syria position because that's the populist decision of the moment? Well, what is the smart politics now that the president has kind of let this go? Well, I think the, the smart politics is to tell the truth, which is to be very skeptical of this deal, to say that uh, it's not just a couple of weeks, but four and a half years of weakness has led us to this point where we seem to be able to do nothing about a dictator using chemical weapons and, and do nothing to prevent al-Qaeda from getting stronger in, in, in Syria on the other side. And we're putting sort of this, we're believing promises made by Putin. I mean, that's sort of the, that's the, that's the, the, the stage we've come to. Okay, how about this one, Bill? Uh, uh, Obama is Fredo Corleone and Putin... <laughs> you know, you know so much more about popular culture than I do that I'm, I'm not even going to engage on these things. <laughs> I defer to you totally. You, you figure out the right one and, uh, and make it, make it o- famous. Obama is Charlie Brown and Putin is Lucy <laughs> with the football. Lucy, or vice, no. or vice versa. <laughs> That's a very good point. Uh, 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 Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time. And uh, you've been taking quite a beating in the conservative press lately. You've taken it with good humor. I, humor I'd like that. Well, thanks, Mike. We'll see you soon.